following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Welcome everyone to our Christmas Advent series uh, entitled Love Came Down. Uh, that's what I, we're calling this series. And really, we're looking at how the almighty, eternal, sovereign, self-existent creator God became a baby and came to us to display his love. Just such a mind-blowing, profound concept. And that's what we're going to be looking at. And we're going to be journeying through the, the various Christmas narratives in the, in the different gospels. And in some ways, kind of working backwards to the manger. Um, going to be jumping around a little bit, but our focus is going to be on engaging with the, the characters, the different people that were a part of this uh, incredible event, um, and to look at this event through their eyes, to, to kind of enter into their, their hopes and their, their desires and their longings, to, to enter into their waiting and their wonder and their worship, um, as they, they kind of had some idea that God was doing something incredible and significant in this moment, but perhaps they didn't really have a fuller understanding of what that would look like as we do today. Um, and to kind of enter back into that first Christmas event and to enter into uh, some of their experience so that we might be filled afresh again. Because let me tell you, as a preacher and even as a Christian, Easter and Christmas can become so mundane and so familiar. And so, yeah, I know the Christmas story. But I encourage you to open your heart in this Advent journey. And Advent just means come. It's a Latin word that just means come. And pray with us that Jesus would come into our hearts in a fresh way, in a new way, and stir our hearts again as these first Christmas uh, people uh, encountered and experienced the Jesus event. So this morning, uh, as you would have picked up from our theme, we're engaging with this idea of waiting. Waiting. And Anna and Simeon are just waiting and waiting for God to move in this supernatural way and to, to do something to deliver and rescue his people. Um, and, and we know waiting is hard. Kids at Christmas time waiting for that Christmas morning is so hard. A couple of weeks ago, Angel, I think, told us a story about waiting for her present that didn't come on time, it's hard. It's really difficult. Waiting for something good and exciting is difficult, but waiting when it's painful and it's difficult and it's dark and it's full of suffering and grief and loss and sadness is much, much harder. But that is the experience of Anna and Simeon. They're not waiting in, in a happy time. They're waiting under the rule of Rome that was crushing the nation of Israel. They were, they were waiting at a time when there was oppression and injustice and violence and they were crying out for God to speak and to do something. And, and there was silence for 400 years where the prophetic voice had ended and the people are longing, wondering if God knew their pain and suffering, if God cared, if God was still interested, if God would do anything in this moment. Waiting in the dark is difficult. I don't know, many of you would remember the incident in 2018 when I think 12 uh, Thai boys were trapped in a cave soccer team with their soccer coach um, and they were there for two and a half weeks and, and all they had were these six flickering flashlights as they waited and waited, often spending hours and hours in total darkness, hoping and praying and waiting that light would come. 
that light would break through into the darkness. And interestingly, that's one of the ways the Bible describes the advent of Jesus, the coming of Jesus. In Isaiah 9, chapter 2, it says that God's great light broke in on people who were sitting and living and walking in darkness. This is incredible. And our songs this morning, I know it's a great choice of songs that reflected that same thing of waiting and the, and the light of God dawning in Jesus. And that is the incredible, wonderful event that we celebrate as we wait. But see, the people of God have always been awaiting people. And I want to tell you that as we continue to be a part of the people of God, we too are awaiting people. The waiting of, of God's people begins in Genesis chapter 3, very, very early on. When in, in verse 15, there is this promise that in spite of humans, humanity's sin and rebellion and rejection of God, that God would send one that would crush the head of Satan, the serpent's head. And from that moment on, the people of God have been waiting for this Satan crusher, this snake crusher to appear on human history. And the rest of the biblical story is, is God's people wondering, is this the serpent crusher? Is this God's deliverer? And we see in Genesis 15, Abraham is waiting and waiting for God to fulfill his promise, to send him, to give him a son that would be the fulfillment of God's promise to be a blessing to all nations waiting and then we come to exodus where god's people are crying out in desperation under the oppression of egypt and in slavery and bondage wondering how long god before you rescue us when will you send a deliverer uh, someone to to bring us out of bondage and god does and as they wait god sends moses and and that event of god rescuing his people taking them through the red sea into the promised land becomes then the paradigm for the rest of the biblical story of god's rescue of God saving and delivering his people from slavery and oppression, from, from violence and from bondage, and becomes the paradigm then for us in the gospel of what Jesus does. And then we come to the Psalms, where over and over again, for instance, Psalm 6, verses 1 to 4, we hear this repeated cry, How long, Lord? How long before you bring an end to injustice and oppression and violence? God, do you, do you not see, do you not care that your people are being oppressed and oppressed and oppressed. God, how long must we wait? And then we come to the exilic uh, period when the people of God had been judged by God and removed from their land. The temple had been decimated and destroyed and, and they were rejected by God and now are living in Babylon. And we see, for instance, in Daniel 9 where there is this hope beginning to emerge. And again, this waiting for God to restore Israel, bring them back to the land, to rebuild the temple, and for this anointed one to come. The anointed one who would usher in and come bring back the glory of God to Israel. And this waiting, waiting. And then we come into the prophetic period where Isaiah and Jeremiah are looking further ahead and start talking about this suffering servant, this Messiah figure, this anointed one, this Davidic king that was going to bring about justice and righteousness and that would uh, deliver God's people and, and would sit on David's throne and reign forever and ever and be God's ultimate redeemer and rescuer. And, and then they're waiting and waiting and waiting again. And that is where Anna and Simeon's story kicks in. Because that's what they've been waiting for. But they were waiting for someone that looked a bit like Trisha's 
warrior hero, a ripped Jesus with a spear and a helmet, ready to kick some Roman butt. They're, they're waiting for this champion of God to come and do some serious damage to the Roman Empire. But the people of God have always been a waiting people. And so we find ourselves in the same place. Because we're waiting not for the first coming, but for the second coming of Jesus. And like Simeon and Anna, I'm sure many of us long for God to come back, for Jesus to return, to make everything that's wrong in our world right again, to actually usher in God's kingdom rule and reign that will bring, make everything new again, that will, that will bring righteousness and justice, that will end oppression and violence and hatred in our time, in our world, to deal with sin once and for all, to remove sin once and for all, and to usher in His glorious eternal kingdom. So we too, find ourselves waiting waiting looking longing for God's rescue and deliverance ultimately finally but there is a third waiting and this is a more painful waiting a harder waiting because it's a more personal waiting and perhaps you're waiting for God to heal you perhaps you're waiting for a partner Perhaps you're waiting for a child. Perhaps you're waiting for financial breakthrough. Perhaps you're waiting for a a, a mental condition to to sort itself out. Perhaps you're waiting for a, a broken and damaged relationship to be restored. Perhaps you're waiting and waiting, looking to God in desperation, crying out to God, wondering if He sees, wondering if He knows, wondering if He cares, wondering when He will do something, if He'll do something. And you're waiting and waiting in the dark. And it's quite amazing that within the Christmas event, in these birth narratives, we see this third waiting in in Zachariah and Elizabeth's story, the parents of John the Baptist, this personal waiting. And somehow they're part of God's incredible story. And God comes to them personally in their waiting, as they're waiting for a child, and they're old, and they've given up hope, and they're wondering... Yeah, maybe God, this is not for us. Maybe this waiting is going to be for an ever waiting. But God comes and brings transformation into their personal waiting by answering their prayer. And so this morning, I guess I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you to think about how you are waiting as you wait in the dark. And I want to just share with you two thoughts from our passage this morning about things that we can learn from Anna and Simeon as they waited in 400 years of silence, as they waited under incredible oppression and and pain and suffering under the Roman rule, as they waited in hope and in longing for God's deliverer to come. The first thought, it's a very simple one and it came out in our dramas, is that they remained faithful to God. Now, That sounds very simple, but if you've been waiting in the dark for God to do something in your life and you've been waiting a long, long time, it's easy to give up on God. So easy to ask yourself, what's the point? And yet we see in this story that Simeon is filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Simeon is in the temple. We're told he was righteous and devout, verse 25. He was waiting in hope for the consolation of Israel. He hadn't given up on God and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He was abiding in in God's presence to the extent that the Holy Spirit can still speak to him and, and direct him and lead him and promise him that he would see the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27, he was, he was moved by the Spirit. The Spirit is still leading him. And we see Anna in, in, in the midst of her darkness and pain of losing her husband very, very early on and being a widow, a widow for many, many years. We're told that she never left the temple, verse 37, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Do you wait for God like that? Can you wait for God like that? In the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your desperate plea, in the midst of your pain and suffering and disappointment and frustration and loneliness and mental, spiritual oppression, in the midst of your pain physically as you long for healing, can you wait devoutly? Can you wait faithfully being obedient to God? The second thing that I want to share with you is this incredible truth that both Anna and Simeon, they they put their hope in Jesus. They put their hope in Jesus. Now think about this. Jesus is eight days old. He is not riding in as the buffed champion it's easy to put your hope if jesus rode into jerusalem on a, as a conquering king with sword drawn and was, yeah but he's an eight-year-old baby hadn't done anything yet not a single miracle to prove anything had demonstrated nothing of the truth of this hope they just knew in their heart that now that jesus was here everything was going to be different everything was going to be different that's incredible see many of us we, we we struggle with the wait and see before i commit approach seeing is believing approach but here we see anna and simeon putting their full faith and trust in jesus when they had nothing to see no evidence at all they just completely believed that god was at work in Jesus in such a definite final way that their lives would never be the same. I wonder if you see Christmas that way. I wonder, I mean, is it any wonder that Anna and Simeon were, were rejoicing because they, they believed in that moment that, that Jesus was going to change everything? Do, do you have that same sense of excitement as we wait for Christmas to come in this Advent lead up as we kind of, you know, get busy with visiting family and shopping and preparing and cooking and all of that? Do we carry in, that, in our hearts the same faith and hope that Anna and Simeon did as they saw baby Jesus and they were able to praise God going, God, we, we don't know how this story is going to work. I mean, Simeon is prophesying. I don't think he had any idea of how Jesus was going to deliver people. No idea. He probably had messianic, Davidic king ideas, warrior king ideas. Not that Jesus was going to suffer and die on a cross to pay for humanity's ultimate bondage. Not to a political power, but to sin and to death. And that Jesus would rise again on the third day, 
triumph and conquering as a vindication that God was satisfied with Jesus' sacrifice for our sin. And Jesus is raised to life again, giving us the hope that we too will live beyond the grave because we've been made right with God. Simeon is prophesying things about what Jesus is going to do and how it's going to impact Mary's own heart. But I don't think he really thought that Jesus was also the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. And yet, he hopes in Jesus. He believes in Jesus. He worships. He praises God for Jesus. Will you be able to carry that sense of awe and wonder into your Christmas as you wait in the dark? Can you put your hope in Jesus the same way, knowing that because Jesus has come as a baby in a manger that would grow up, live a perfect life, and die on a cross and be raised again, that your life, my life, your future, your destiny will never be the same. And even if Jesus does nothing else, no other miracle, like an eight-year-old baby in your life, if he does nothing else for you, if he answers no other prayer, if he changes no other circumstance in your life, Would you still be able to put your hope in him and worship him for what he has done for you? Will you open your hearts and receive him as your savior and your king and your Lord, even if you still have to sit in the dark? That is the question. Can you put your hope in Jesus? You see, because no matter what your story is like right now and what your story will be like to the end of your life. Jesus is coming as a baby in a manger who died on a cross for your sin and mine changes everything. It gives you a hope beyond this life. It gives you an eternal security and a confidence that you will be in God's kingdom forever. You will know hope and peace and joy like you've never known your body will be transformed and healed and glorious every relationship will be restored every longing of your heart will be ultimately satisfied in the glory of God's eternal kingdom that is the difference that Jesus has made and that is the hope the light that shines into your darkness if you will open your heart to it now again I want to say that you know Maybe you're sitting there and maybe you're watching and you think, yeah, but that's just kind of Christian platitudes and cliches. really doesn't help in, in my pain and in my suffering. Yes, it, it kind of gives me hope. If, I don't know if you can jump up in the band. That would be great. It kind of gives me hope. I get it. But how, how does that help me? You know, and, and maybe just a couple of other thoughts that kind of grounds this truth for you. In, in Exodus chapter 3, as we step back into another waiting of people waiting in, in oppression and misery under another despotic, evil, powerful empire in Egypt. In chapter 3, when God speaks to Moses and asks him to go as the deliverer, this is what God says in verses 7 and eight. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. 
And listen to this. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I want to tell you, friend, no matter what you're going through, God sees, He hears your cry, He feels your pain, He's concerned for you. And that is why love came down in Jesus. Because God wanted to decisively deal with the underlying issue that causes all that is broken in your life and in our world. And He still sees your pain. He still hears your cries. He's still deeply moved and compassionate and concerned about your need. And I trust that that encourages you, that you're not invisible, that you're seen and you're known and you're loved by your Heavenly Father. The second thought I want to leave with you is in Galatians 4, where Paul says this, But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You see, it might seem to you like God's too late, like Elizabeth. And Zachariah kind of went, God, you've, you've missed me. You've forgotten me. You've overlooked me. It's too late. But Paul says, God's never late. In the fullness of time, when the set time had fully come, God will come to you in your circumstance, in your situation, whatever that might be, He will come. I'm not saying that He will come and transform and change. And yes, I believe that He can, but I know that He will come to you because you are His child because you have an inheritance in Him because of Jesus, because He is your Abba Father and He has given you the Spirit and so He will continually come to you through the Holy Spirit. He will continually come to you. If you will open your heart, if you will allow Him to, He will continually come to you as Abba Father and release you from slavery to fear, because you will know the fullness of His love that came down in Jesus. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you're watching or if you're in here and you've not put your faith and your trust in Jesus and what He did on the cross to save you from your sin, if you've not prayed a prayer inviting Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord and asking God to forgive you for your sin, and if you've not said, Jesus, I surrender my life to you, I, I receive your love and I surrender to your love because I know the plan you have for me is good and I want to be your child. I want to be forgiven and brought into relationship with God the Father. You can know that experience today. You can know God's forgiveness and you can know the peace that comes through knowing and believing and trusting in Jesus of knowing that you've been made right with God and you have nothing to fear because you have an eternal hope and a future. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Actually, why don't we do that now? Bow your heads and close your eyes and just allow the Holy Spirit to come. Will you open your heart this Advent season? And will you pray as Christians throughout the generations have prayed, Maranatha, which just means come Lord Jesus.
Come, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And you might be praying this prayer for the first time. Come, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. And will you be the Savior and Lord of my life? Come, Lord Jesus. And maybe you've been walking with God for a long time and, and following Jesus. Maybe this is another opportunity for you to surrender again to Him, to bow the knee to Jesus again and say, Jesus, will you come again and be my Lord and be my Savior? I, I did dedicate myself to following you afresh and anew this Christmas season. Come, Lord Jesus. Or maybe you find yourself in a really difficult place where you feel like you're trapped in a cave sitting in the dark for days months years wondering how long lord will you open your heart and say come lord jesus maranatha come lord jesus Father, you see every heart that's in this room, that's outside under the awning, that's watching online. Father, my simple prayer is, will you come in the presence and power and love of Jesus by your Holy Spirit and awaken hope into every heart. Maranatha, come. Lord Jesus, as we wait, as we long for, as we look for your second coming, Lord Jesus, as we sit in the dark in our personal waiting, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. And I pray this in his name. Amen. If you prayed, a prayer inviting Jesus to forgive you and be the Savior and Lord of your life. And that was the first time you did that today. Whether you're in this room, under the awning or online, I would love for you to come and talk to me. After this service, if you're here, we'd love to pray with you. If you're watching online, that you will connect with us. Send us an email so we can reach out to you and, and get to know you and tell you more about Jesus. We'd love to do that. And the band's going to sing us a song. And if you find yourself sitting in your personal waiting this morning, and you'd love prayer, you'd love someone to stand with you and to pray for the Holy Spirit to come in power into your life and situation, we'd love to pray with you. And as the band is singing, or as soon as they're finished, we invite you, I invite you to leave your seat and come to the front so we can pray for you. Why don't we stand together and worship Jesus because the light... Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church Podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.